0: have you ever gotten yourself burned out by trying to do too much and help too many people so that you completely lost yourself in the shuffle? Today's guest, Kat Lee, is a somatic and emotional alchemy coach. She's the host of the Empowered Curiosity podcast, and she's here to talk to us about learning to tap into the wisdom within to live your best self-full life. Join us for a powerful conversation about becoming intimate with your true self.
1: Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted, to describe who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. To so join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments and experiences that lead us to a deeper understanding of who we are and why we're here and what service we are to the world and how will that be expressed. And it's the mystery, the great mystery, and we're talking about it as best we can, week after week on Soul Nectar Show. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I love these conversations, and I was inspired years and years ago to begin this podcast after a very significant journey to the holy mountain in Peru called Au And I went on pilgrimage and I gave the mountain everything I thought I was. And then at the end of the trip, it inspired me and said, "How about? why don't you try this and see how that works out? And, you know, it's worked out pretty well. I've had a lot of beautiful conversations on this show that really fulfill me. And I invite you to them every single week. And if you have not yet become part of our community, you can do that at soulnectar.show, soulnectar, S-O-U-L-N-E-C-T-A-R. Dot show. So today's guest is Cat Lee. Welcome Cat.
1: Hello. I'm so glad to be here.
0: I'm really glad you're here today. So Cat Lee is a somatic and emotional alchemy coach and she is the host of the Empowered Curiosity podcast and the creator of The Heart Lab. And I'm also going to be on her show. So I will give you a link to that episode as soon as it's available in the show notes for this particular episode. So you can see our full conversation, which I always think is so interesting to have to see both Mm -hmm. sides of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So Kat is the heart and voice Behind the Empowered Curiosity community her passion for the last decade has been to walk beside her clients as they learn to cultivate conscious relationships by alchemizing emotions, integrating their stories and coming back home to the truest version of themselves. And boy, we sure do need a lot of that on the planet right now. There is so much going on in the collective space. And I know that as a sensitive being, I feel it deeply. And I am quite sure that anyone listening to this podcast, all you beloveds out there have been listening week after week, that you also have these extrasensory perception skills and you're very sensitive and you can feel the stresses not only for yourself, but for the collective. And so I'm really excited to talk with Kat today about these conversations and how to guide you to remember your true self and beyond the conditioning, the shoulds, the trauma stories, and whatever's happening in your overall environment. How can you be happy inside yourself? So Kat, Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: am so curious to hear your story of how you began um, your journey to knowing that you were here to be this guide for somatic and emotional alchemy.
1: Yeah, thanks for opening up the space and um, for creating sacred space so that we can all share these stories. And um, for me, I spent the first 30 years of my life basically living my life by all the shoulds, all those stories and narratives of how to be a good girl and what success looked like. And, you know, I, on paper everything looked great so on paper i went to get my masters in chinese medicine i got married to my college sweetheart i we bought a house we bought the cars we had dogs like we just had this you know picture perfect life seemingly but i remember just getting to the top of the mountain after i had built up a really successful acupuncture practice and looked around and felt so hollow and was using a lot of alcohol to cover that up, was looking to my husband to fulfill all these needs that he could not realistically fulfill, not just because he wasn't the right person for me, but also because it's not up to like one single person to do that for us individually, right? And you know, I just started asking these questions that felt really scary and difficult. And a lot of those questions centered around what it is that I wanted, you know, what it is that I wanted to create for my life, what would bring me fulfillment, what would bring me bliss, what would bring me joy. And I had the intellectual and technical background of my acupuncture skills to help me. But It wasn't until I started asking these deeper emotional and spirit-guided questions that I was able to actually get into the somatics of what that was, you know? And so now I would say that my work is really about helping people understand that intimacy is a spiritual practice, that the body is not meant to be suppressed, it's not meant to be quieted when we have these signs and symptoms coming up, it's really an invitation to listen because the body is really just trying to communicate. It's the storyteller of your life, right? And so it's just trying to communicate with you. And, you know, when I think back on that time in my life, I had a lot of unknown aches and pains in my body, things that doctors couldn't really explain what was going on. And so I was seeking a lot of alternative therapies to try to, quote unquote, heal myself. and. You know, I had insomnia pretty much straight for like six or seven years. I can feel my body just holding on to the stress and just didn't understand why. And as I started sort of asking these questions, it was really, it became really clear to me that it, it was about not living in alignment with what my true purpose, with what my Tao was. And you know, that journey has been a difficult one because the marriage didn't survive that, that inquiry. My acupuncture practice didn't survive that inquiry. And, you know, on the outside, my life looks very, very different. I don't have that cookie cutter house anymore. Um, but it feels so fulfilling. I get to have these wonderful conversations because I too am a podcast host and I get to have these really lovely, fulfilling conversations with folks and I serve a really, really beautiful client base. And, you know, I just, I feel so aligned with what I'm meant to do in this world, which is really to help people untangle their traumas, to help people understand what their bodies are, trying to tell them to really... Help people find their Tao. My spiritual practice is Taoism, and so in Taoism, the Tao is really about purpose, alignment, the path, um, and so that's that's what my my work is about. And so I've been on this, you know, overall I've been in clinical practice for twelve years, but I would say that I've been really on this spirit guided path for about seven now. Um, so yeah, that's like the the Cole's notes version of. I guess, my story.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. What I love is listening to your voice. And and for everybody just who's listening in is to hear the resonance of love inside Kat's voice. And that to me is always a marker when I'm listening to somebody, I can hear what space they're operating in in that moment, you know? And and I can also sort of feel in someone's voice uh, how standard, or regular or practice it is for them to be in that space, right? So Mm. sometimes we can be in a space of joy and, you know, peace or whatever the, the you know, quote, preferable feelings are, right? Because I think we have preferences, at least I know Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And we can be in that for a short time. But what I've, what I'm working on right now, just to be transparent, is like moving out of my primary lesson in this life is around impatience. And so I can mm. I can get impatient. And then if I'm impatient, that ties with force. And then if I'm forcing things, then that ties with conflict. And so there's like this this web of little shadows that I'm working with. Yeah. And if I can move myself out of impatience into patience, then mm-hmm. things start to really shift along a different frequency line. And then for anybody interested in this kind of wisdom, the gene keys is where I'm understanding myself in this way. It's just sort mm-hmm. of interesting. And it's tied in with the, with the I Ching, which is so fascinating to me. <laughs> But what I love is, is that I realized last week that restraining, because I, I have, I have the gift of the mountain. So I have this gift of, of restraint, which leads me to stillness, but restraining in patience is not the same thing as being patient. And I realized that last week and I was like, oh, okay, that's not the same thing. <laughs> There's, mm-hmm. it's a step maybe in the right direction, but it's not the same as actually having patience, like patience Mm -hmm. is its own frequency. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like you've worked with this somehow in your journey and your understanding of the Tao.
1: Yes. And that resonates so deeply with me. Like I, I used to be a forcer and, you know, my role in my family was to be the fixer of all the things. And so of course, when I stepped into clinical practice, that was also the role that I took on of you know, wanting to, to make life more comfortable for everyone and not having good boundaries around it. So when I left my acupuncture practice, I was working for the busiest clinical practice in Vancouver and seeing about 40 to 50 clients a week. And it was so exhausting. And again, it was this, this layer of, you know, this is what success looks like. You know, I was told in acupuncture school to have a successful practice means that you're seeing about 40 to 50 clients a week. And so then you're making X amount of money and therefore you're able to sustain yourself. And, you know, it had all these stories wrapped up around it. And, you know, I, I believed it for a long time because it fit into that narrative of this is how you do things right. This is, this is how you be a good girl. This is how you serve the world is to be selfless, and stepping away from that practice and asking myself, you know, who is it that I actually want to serve, and how is it that when I want to serve? And building up a coaching practice that looks unlike any other coaching practice I've seen out there and being really true guided by intuition and what feels good to me and what I feel like I have the capacity for because I honestly do not have the capacity to be seeing 50 clients a week. That is not something that I think anybody, should do and and I quite frankly think it's it's not healthy to be telling our practitioners to be doing that because what also falls off the wagon is your ability to take care of yourself, your ability to actually do the things that you're asking your clients to do. And so, you know, I am guided by the I Ching as well. I have um, I have the I Ching actually tattooed on my body. How awesome! <laughs> and. Whenever I come up against a place of resistance, I find the I Ching as a text to be so, so helpful. And every time I feel like I throw coins to receive the hexagram i meant to receive, it always has something to do with slowing down and allowing and surrendering and patience and you know, being in communion with these deeper forces that we don't have any control over. And so part of my challenge, my own personal struggle around being a human being is to is to release and to just do 50% of the work, honestly, <laughs> because I was trying to do 100% of the work of like manifesting my life and realizing that when I step back and slow down what actually happens is I'm able to see those open doors a little more clearly and then you can just step through them instead of having to like fight and push and pull and like really like you know slam on the door to try to get yourself in and and so there's there's a lot of ease in my life now because I feel like I'm not trying to force things into happening and in that release of control like amazing things have happened um I feel way more financially abundant now than I did when I was in acupuncture and like just feeling so burnt out and you know I have a lot more flexibility in my life now because all my clients are online um, I feel like the work that I'm able to put out is just deeper and more aligned because I have those spaces that I can take a sacred pause and and really tap into my own wisdom instead of just go 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 like who has time to settle in and Really get into and integrate all this work if you're just moving all the time, right?
0: Yeah, it's like um it's such a change in pace. Like I remember what you're talking about with the patient you know, the clients when mm-hmm. I became an energy healer and I was seeing people one on one. And I realized very quickly that I couldn't sustain that as a model. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't going to work. I couldn't because mm-hmm. feasibly I couldn't really hold space for more than a couple of healings a day. And then still take care of myself and still Mm -hmm. feel resourced. And not to say it was taking anything out of me because I always feel filled up after a healing session like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a way in which I think for me, I would characterize it by my little girl inside gets impatient, you know? So it's like that impatience comes up and she's like, you know what? I've had, I've enjoyed this. It's all about these other people and that's great. And now I want your attention on me. And if I don't take that time and give her that space, then, you know, what I notice is if I'm sitting too long in meetings like this or, um, you know, like with my coaches, sometimes we can go all day. And in these, you know, really in-depth, like clearing conversations where we're excavating into really deep shadows and like, and then feeling the feelings and letting them uh, be released, be uh, witnessed and released she gets edgy. Like, so I'll notice myself fidgeting in my chair and I'm like, I start to fidget and I start yeah. to move around and I'm like, oh, that's my little girl. She's like super mm-hmm. impatient with this process and she wants to get up. Like she it's, doesn't want to sit here anymore, you know, do this it. thing. That's, but so like, there's this dance between those two polarities though, because we do need to lean into the discomfort. We'd lean, we need to be able to have times where we lean in to witness things and to, you know, pay attention to the body and pay attention to things that are unhealed that are coming up that are uncomfortable, certainly in the collective. But then we also need to pay attention to this, this little child that's on the inside. It needs some space to just Mm -hmm. have some joy and have some fun and play and, you know, and take the responsibility off the shoulders, you know? So I like Mm -hmm. that you said I only had to do 50%. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, and I love that too, because it's like, when we have that connection with the inner child you get to ask these questions of your inner child of like okay so what is it that you want to do you know and you get to have this relationship with a younger version of yourself who maybe wanted to just go out and run who wanted to you know turn on some music and and dance and then you can get back to whatever it is that you're needing to do but Oftentimes, what I find is that in our Western culture, we have a tendency to override these desires. And we have a tendency to place more value on the conditions and narratives and stories of what other people, what society, what culture thinks that our life should look like instead of actually listening to that true self that is within. And you know, something that i I say quite a bit is, I think about spiritual practice as being a subtractive process. I think a lot of times the way that spirituality is talked about is is it's like an additive thing. Like I have to go out here and go work with this guru or work with this healer, or work with this mentor, read this book. And it's almost like I need to collect all that wisdom that's outside of me and bring it into my being versus the way that I personally have learned to work with it is, okay. So, if I've come into this life as a true being, who's here to learn a lesson, a few lessons, and who's here with a purpose, a Tao, a mandate, you know, then my role is not to, I mean, yes, I want the the knowledge that's out here. But my role is to actually de-layer the conditions and the narratives and the stories that I've been using as a survival tool and Releasing those, those stories and getting down to the true self. And so the wisdom is really coming from within. And oftentimes the woundings that we have is like almost the mirror, like other side of the coin image of our mandate. Right. And so for me personally, I have this, this history of being over controlling. And needing to make sure that all the details are perfect and needing and, you know, perfectionism was a, a survival skill of mine and it worked really well for me. And being an overdoer and being a type A type personality that worked really well for me and I got validated externally really well for me. Um, but when I get into what my doubt is, a lot of it is around the word surrender. And so it's, it's two poles of the same, you know, spectrum essentially. and I needed to be with my ex-husband who also manifested in that way and then on top of that required me to be over controlling of him. And for me to actually feel drawn away from my true self was a really important part of that journey because then I know okay, so this part of the pendulum does not actually work for me. you know that's that's how I did the first half of my career you know this is how i lived the first 30 years of my life and that doesn't work for me and so now that i have this compass and you know my compass is is around surrender it's different for everybody right and that's part of the work that i do with my clients as i lead them on on a journey to help them uncover what that is for them what their doubt, what their mandate is and so now surrender becomes the filter through which I choose my relationships. It becomes a filter in which, you know, I say yes or no to which clients I work with. It becomes the filter of how I live my life, how I run my business, where I want to live this year, you know, is all wrapped up around surrender, but it required me to actually have that deep wounding around not being able to surrender in order for me to actually realize that this is, this is my true nature. This is this is how I express myself. And this is the gift I meant to ripple out into the world is to access my own sense of surrender so that I can inspire other people to do the same for themselves.
0: Yes, I love that. I also feel that way for me, my core wounds in the jinkies is that that impatience, like you said. So for you it was control. And for me, it was impatience. And what's my true gift I'm here to bring is patience and a sense of timelessness because we are mm-hmm. in fact timeless. That's who we are at the acidic frequency. At the highest frequencies, we are we are timeless beings. That's mm-hmm. having a in a tiny little experience right now of being, you know, in a body. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a strange paradox mm-hmm. to be both mm-hmm. at once. Yeah. And patience is the magic recipe of those things. And there's nothing wrong with impatience. So it's like not making that wrong. Like that's just the human spectrum of a being that's finite to have a feeling of limited time Mm -hmm. on the other side of the other spectrum is that timelessness of the infinite being that knows that there is no limitation, that mm-hmm. this is this is a game we're playing for eternity and we'll just keep changing the game. Mm-hmm. So then how do you be in that infinity loop? I feel like the, what you're talking about is the infinity loop. It's like you going out and you're finding out this side and then you're coming back in the center and then you're going inwards to like, digest and process all of that. And then you're coming back in the center and then going back out again. So it's like mm-hmm. this this meeting of the and, you know the dimensions the polarities of who we are mm-hmm. is part of that journey and that makes it beautiful too mm-hmm.
1: i love that visual that you just wove in there of the infinity symbol and and that is what it feels like and you know the the work is really around being able to almost like live within both sides of the pole at the same time you know it's not like and and to not fracture those parts of you that you consider to be wounded and so you know i i still have this deep groove this deep tendency to to get into my doing brain and to go into these spaces but it's about witnessing and being like oh you used to do this when you didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. What's making you not feel safe right now? And so can we actually work with that energy instead of just being wrapped up in it and feeling like you don't have a choice in it? And I think that that's where consciousness comes into play, right? So the same way, you know, the the same question you can posit to yourself when you're feeling impatient is, you know, like, where do I not feel safe? Because ultimately that's where it all comes down to is, is our nervous system not feeling safe and then bringing up feelings that have worked for us in the past, bringing up survival skills that have worked up for us or worked for us in the past. And so, you know, in your impatience, what do you then do with that? Right.
0: Yeah. And it's always about feeling it. You know, so it's it's not about avoiding it; it's about feeling it, which can be uncomfortable because if those frequencies, like we all have all sixty four gene keys, right? We all have all sixty four I Ching, but like the gene keys model, we're only focusing on eleven at a time. Like that's the idea is that we incarnated to work on eleven of them specifically, mm-hmm. and so those eleven are super precious inside your body if you have them. <laughs> you know, so like the shadow of impatience that's so that's so precious. Like it. It feels uncomfortable to feel impatient. Mm-hmm. Now there's some that I don't have and my students have and they're like feeling so uncomfortable with that particular vibration and I can witness how uncomfortable it makes them. I don't have the same resonance with it but they mm-hmm. they have it direct, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be really realizing these forces are larger than us. You said something about that earlier, that this isn't, like we don't have control over these larger forces that are operating on the planet, like through this paradigm. We're actually experiencing it, but we can't like stop it or control it or divert it. Or, you know, we try to, but we actually just need to feel it, right? We just Mm -hmm. need to
1: allow it. And I think it's so important to, really highlight that point because a lot of times or a lot of what I'm seeing in the coaching and the personal development and spiritual world is is almost this like light and love strategy <laughs> which <laughs> That's
0: actually, nice. <laughs> I know. That's half the picture.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it it actually creates a lot more Entanglements because what you're doing when you're just living from light and love is you are fracturing the part of you that is feeling impatient. You're fracturing the part of you that, you know, might feel insecure. The fracturing the part of you, for me, it was the part of me that like felt like I needed to control all the things. Right. And when we fracture those parts of us that are actually survival skills. That we've cultivated to survive in our family, in our culture, in our you know current narrative, it mutates, and and this is what I mean by emotional alchemy. Is like let's say we're working with the core emotion of anger and frustration, right? If we can acknowledge that anger and frustration and witness it, and maybe that comes from an inner child who wasn't able to express anger, maybe that comes from your ego that's like like creating a story around how to keep itself safe, you know? And when we can actually allow ourselves to witness that, then we're able to move past it and and create some precious gold, some precious metals, precious lessons out of it, right? But if we, do the love and light thing what happens is we shove that anger into a corner and it mutates into something else and then you might freak out over your partner not taking the trash out you might get really frustrated with your kid for not being able to tie their shoes you know all these ways in which you know that that was kind of a small thing that i maybe shouldn't have freaked out over it comes out in those ways right And so it also
0: comes out in judgments, you know, like calling people sheep, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, those sheep, those sheeple, you know, like Mm -hmm. there I've seen so many of that going on during the pandemic. I was like, oh, let's not judge. I mean (laughs) Yeah. We really need to be mindful. Like we could create the same paradigm in the polarized position. Mm -hmm. And but Mm -hmm. then think that we're superior in that space and be doing exactly the same behaviors as the people we're judging, except we're doing it with the opposite perspective. That's not that's actually not healed. Right. Yeah. Talk about that. Cause I think I would like people to understand that more.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this is something that um, I actually recently talked about on my podcast with my friend, Jessica Penstock, um, who does a lot of trauma work as well. And what we've been noticing is that on both sides of the spectrum, what we're seeing is is a trauma response, you know, both sides of the spectrum, whether You're on the side of, you know, everyone should get vaccinated and do it for the community and all that. Or you're on the side of, I want body autonomy and I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my body. It all comes from a space of not being secure and feeling unsafe and wanting to control other people's bodies, right? And so when we see that, I think a lot of times people, and what I've been seeing in in, in social media world is, here's this study, here's my ideology, I'm going to try to convince you, I'm going to try to coerce you into thinking the same way that I do. And instead, if we can just take a beat and try to understand each other on the human level of, oh, the person that I'm speaking to is scared. And actually, when I step into my own being, I'm scared too. And this is where I am scared, and this is where they're scared, and try to understand each other from that resonance, versus trying to convince each other from like headspace, right? I think that there's something missing in the conversation around the coronavirus and the vaccine that you, I think, you're trying to speak to here is we're actually re-traumatizing ourselves by sitting in judgment of the other side of the spectrum.
0: And it's really just a new othering, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing that this has been giving us a chance to participate in a new othering Mm -hmm. that hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. So we can all participate in its um, creation or not creation Mm -hmm. to see how every other othering throughout human history has been created. This is just a pattern of othering people.
1: (laughs) And the fractures are happening even within the same camps. You know, like I'm hearing of folks who are both vaccinated and, you know, frustration and arguments coming up because you didn't get vaccinated for the exact same reason that I got vaccinated. Right. And so like, it's almost like there's been so much othering that's happened that there's even fractures within the same camp happening. Mm -hmm. And to me, what that speaks to is collectively we're going through a really, really, really big trauma response. And so it puts a lot of responsibility on some of us who are able to step back and witness this and able to step back and see this as a trauma response to help the collective co-regulate you know, because a lot of times what we're needing is we're needing that connection. We're needing to be seen, heard, and understood. And instead of trying to go into conversations, you know, trying to agree with each other and then getting frustrated and just being like, ah, oh, just screw it. Let's just agree to not agree, right? Like how how many times have you heard that? <laughs>
0: is, yeah, that's, that's kind of dismissive, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so if we can go into conversations just trying to understand each other, and understand each other on that emotional resonance of like, oh, I'm scared too. You know?
0: Well, I I did this, I was inspired to disrupt, like to place something out there that said, take a look, what we're actually doing is othering. Mm -hmm. What we're actually doing collectively is we're afraid and then we're trying to find a scapegoat for that fear Mm -hmm. and we need to be careful about this. Like, and you know, Mm -hmm. as a person who's not vaccinating, Mm -hmm. I felt Like that, it was the same experience for me as I had as a 13-year-old being bullied. Mm -hmm. There was like a group of people that came to watch me get beat up by this girl because I let her boyfriend kiss me and I didn't know he was her boyfriend because I was new to the town. I just moved there anyway. So this whole idea was the same feeling. It was like, wow, I feel that. I feel like this mob is coming to get me and it forced me to do something to my body that I'm not okay with. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to point that out in a loving way. Like, this isn't the way to solve this. Like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I know everyone's afraid and like scapegoating and finding a target is not the way to solve this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like pointing that out made it worse in some ways, but better in others. Like some people were really grateful that I said what I said. Other people felt very triggered because maybe they saw something in themselves that they didn't want to see. Right. mm -hmm, And so it mm -hmm. was very triggering for them. Yeah. But this isn't about love and light. Like uh, we have to face the shadows. So some of us have to point the shadows out and that is an uncomfortable spot to be in, I can say.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I've heard this because I've been having really open conversations with so many people about getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated and their why. And it always comes back to a story like yours. You know, it comes back to something that happened in the past and, you know, and everyone trying to find and establish safety for themselves. And and so speaking as somebody who did end up getting the vaccine, but was very, very reluctant and um, had to do a lot of thinking about it and a lot of like feeling into my body about it before I accepted it into my body. What came up for me is, a past memory of, of sexual violence. And, and so for me to be able to accept something into my body that felt foreign and felt like an unsafe piece for me, I had to come to it on my own terms. And so there was no amount of of my friends sending me articles and sending me, you know, this statistic and that statistic that was going to convince me. I needed to be witnessed and heard and understood that this makes me feel unsafe and and come to those decisions on my own. And I ultimately did get vaccinated so that I, I have the freedom to travel, which is really, really important for me. But... I think it's, there's a lot of judgment happening around people getting vaccinated or staying unvaccinated. There's a lot of people trying to control what happens to other people's bodies. You know, there's a lot of trying to convince people to be on my team and to be on my micro team within the team. <laughs> yeah. And, and think um,
0: just like me. Yeah. And then yeah. I like you. You're my people if you think just right. like me. And see right. that? we're moving out of groupthink. And I think to me, that's the biggest movement I see in all of this Mm -hmm. is that we're moving out of this pattern of humanity to, to become a mob and then to swarm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's been, that's been the pattern Mm -hmm. and we're, we're becoming conscious co-creators, which means that we don't necessarily agree And Mm -hmm. we can hold our own position with love without making the other person wrong. Mm -hmm. We're at the beginning of that. I mean, we're literally at the first baby steps of that. Yeah, And it's going to take a while for us to to learn to build that muscle. Yeah, it is. Because there's so many sticky patterns that ensnare you into doing something that you don't want to do because other people want you to do it because if you don't, you're not a good person. You don't, you know, you don't care about the collective, you know, whatever the rule. There's all these rules yeah, and they're age old rules Mm -hmm. and they're based in fear too and trauma. Like I believe that some of this is based in like, don't go against the system or you'll be hunted down like a witch. You know, like there's Mm -hmm. all these ancestral wounds too that are part of this trauma.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're working with two very, very deep core drivers right now, which is the fear of death. So that's a big one. I mean, how much more obvious does that one get? And then there's the fear of not belonging, right? Because if we think about what that meant for our ancestors to not belong to their family of origin, to their community, it was really hard to survive as a single human out in the wilderness, right? And so our sense of belonging is so, so tied to our capacity to survive. And so we're working with those two core drivers right now. And so if it feels really, really, really intense, it's because it is.
0: It's very intense, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you're a leader in the conversation, you know, just kind of compound that because- Mm -hmm you know, you're being seen by way more people. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is another big part of the lesson that maybe people don't realize yet, but I have realized is that it's, we're also becoming more conscious. And as we become more conscious, we become more psychic. And as we become more psychic and sensitive, we're more sensitive to other people's psychic projections. Mm-hmm. And so there's like another whole curriculum about learning how to manage your psychic activity As well. You know, Mm -hmm. so up until now, maybe people thought that their thoughts about other people was like only in their own minds. Mm -hmm. And now we're we've been learning over the course of this lifetime, at least I'm 52. And these teachings have been really coming out of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. In the last 10 years, since 2012, really, is that recognition that, oh, no, we're all connected. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's why all these teachings are out there about decording and all this kind of stuff too, Mm -hmm. because we're having this discernment about what's mine and what's yours. Mm -hmm. Where did this come from? Is this mine to hold or is this not mine? We're all the psychic boundaries as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that play out. I mean, I think it's such an interesting playground when we step back and look at you know the pandemic and and everything that's come out of it and there's actually been some good that's come out of it too out of that discernment is is a lot of cultural wrongs are are now being looked at in a different light a lot of our history is being looked at in a different space. And these are all things that came out of this playground that is the pandemic. And and so I think that it's important to acknowledge the shadows, but also acknowledge that this is something that collectively like we've needed to go through. And I don't know that there's any other way we could have done this because I don't know that we would have paid attention had life just gone on as normal.
0: Yeah, we needed to be brought to our knees. I mean, I had to be brought to my knees in my journey. So this is what I told my mom yesterday is she said, well, what about all these people that might die? And I said, I said, well, I said, do you remember my journey? I said, how was I leading up to my awakening? Was I nice? And she's like, not really. <laughs> like, I know, I said a lot of mean things. I did a lot of mean things for years. I acted out in pain. And then I finally had so much pain, I got brought to my knees. And when I Mm -hmm. got brought to my own knees, I was like, okay, fine. I welcome help from whatever there is God's source creator. I don't know what it is, something bigger than me. I didn't have to know the right words. I just said, okay, I welcome help. Mm -hmm. And then the help came. It was like the Calvary showed up and my life changed. Mm -hmm. So that spiritual awakening piece, you know, and I find that the smarter you are, sometimes the harder it is to. The smarter your brain, mm-hmm. sometimes the harder it is to accept the help mm-hmm. and to surrender mm-hmm. as you're talking about because brilliant people think they, you know, they kind of try to do it for
1: themselves. And yeah.
0: so this is, you know, this is going to be a process. And, and
1: they get they, validated for doing it themselves too.
0: Exactly. There's a whole culture around that. Being mm-hmm. really smart and taking care of yourself and being perfect like you were talking about at the beginning mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. getting all A's. And that's uh, very humbling to come down out of that understanding and to that co-creative space and you you're definitely been demonstrating it beautifully so thank you so much Kat for sharing your wisdom with us today
1: Mm, thank you for having me
0: is there anything that you'd like to share with people I know your podcast of course I'm going to link is there any way anything you'd like to share about people working with you and how they get started
1: yeah, so the best way to catch me is on Instagram. Um, so my handle there is Empowered Curiosity and I, I'm really interactive with the community there. So if you have any questions at all, I'm, it is actually me on the other side of the DMs. And my website is empoweredcuriosity.com and I've got lots of different offerings, lots of different price points because I feel like this trauma work needs to be accessible and it needs to be, just it really frustrates me that that it feels like you have to have like a degree to be able to do this work like there's so many barriers in the way and so um, a lot of my work is around making this available to anybody regardless of what their financial means is regardless of what cultural context they come from, what their background is. I think that it's um, it's an important, piece that's missing in the work right now. So um, you can find out all that information on empoweredcuriosity.com.
0: Oh, beautiful work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Kat, for sharing your your frequency with us this entire mm. show. I felt uh, your warm, loving presence and the work that the deep work that you've done in yourself is evident to me. Mm. And I hope that everybody out there listening that you've um, that you're feeling more reassured, you know, mm. and like there's a pathway that you can follow To feel better in your life and in your body. And, you know, I want to say that in the second wave book, we talked about a beautiful excerpt from Jennifer Huff, another one of my friends, who shared the physics behind how can we be the second wave and how can we bring our light out into the world. And she shared that we are each um, emitting photons of light all the time. And those photons of light, carry the frequency of our own healing, all the work that we've claimed to do for ourselves and for our own ancestry radiates out in these photons of light whenever we show up around other people because we are beings of light. So if you just focus on yourself, as Kat's been saying, and you just do the work um, on yourself and bring your, your whole being back into regulation, that is the service, like at the largest sense that any one of us can possibly do. And as I mentioned earlier with like listening to Kat's beautiful um, resonant voice, you can hear that in the voice too. And we also are reassured by that. Our bodies calm down. Mm -hmm. So notice if your body's feeling calm, everybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beautiful work, Kat. And uh, so please, everybody like, share share it out with your friends and anybody that you think might be open to see, to hear what Kat has to say and, uh, give us a nice rating on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. And here comes your kisses. Would you like me to join me with giving people kisses, Kat? Sure. Here they come, everybody. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> we love you and we'll see thank you next you, time. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. We'll see mm-hmm. you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now, everyone. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit SoulNectar.show. Soul Nectar Show,
1: awake awake. the, the nectar. Show. take a sip from nectar the drift of the nectar, from the source of